This is the Hov. And this is Reaper Brian. Together, we're the City of Doors. You may have heard of us. Just not on this podcast. So is it any wonder we, we never, never listen to the, to the Order 66, 66 podcast? Come on down to Tasha Station 24-hour fly-through Potter Blasters Peter Parts Simon Hacker Duck Gift Band Hunter Discount Jet Outlet. If we don't have it, we'll go get it for our super duper multiversal crossover sailathon. Coming out of the black to bring you fireflies, tricorders, transporters, replicants, daggets, and freshly bonded Leviathan. Everybody wants vipers, raiders, gun stars, and domesticated xenomorphs to watch over your moisture farms. That means everything you need to break the bank before the zombie apocalypse. T-virus, G-virus, antivirus, Lochnar. Step on through the chopper eye and come enjoy our sales and service and selection that's from out of this world. See our new lineup of personal protection that packs a punch from a pretty little pulse pistol week call Winona to my new very favorite gun, Vera. We got what you need here at Tasha Station 24-hour fly-through Pond of Blasters Peter Park Cybernetic and Don't Give Bounty Hunter Discount Jedi Outlet. Toshi, Toshi, where the multiverse meets. Just outside of Anchorhead on Tatooine off the Karelian run. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. <laughs> Execute Order 66. This order, this episode of the Order 66 podcast, brought to you in part by the generous contributions of Michael Owens, aka Purple Wren, Robert Unmack, GM of the Land Down Under, and Peter Norton, Norton Web 2. This episode is for you, fine guys. So yes, we're back after two weeks for the Order 66 podcast, and uh, indeed we have a great show in store for you tonight. Episode number 85, and this is Sunday, November the 1st. Hope everybody remembered to put your clocks back in the United States because we do something insane called Daylight Savings that just ended. Anyway, I'm GM Dave, and with me as always, GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? Yes, we do insane things in the U.S. all the time, Daylight Savings being one of them. The other being the Order 66 podcast. And for those of you who may have stumbled into this asylum of the insane, that that makes no sense, um, uh, for the very first time, I I do apologize because you are now going to be subjected to a fair amount of jabbering about uh, Star Wars Saga Edition. In fact, this is the only podcast devoted entirely to the glory that is Star Wars Saga Edition. And we got a couple other uh, uh, hosts with us this evening, one of which you know, uh, the dulcet tones of the lovely Twi'lek goodness. Yes, and I'm a bit offended. Why is that? What, 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 what? I don't jabber. You assume I was speaking to you. Jabber walkie. You were speaking of us and... Frankly, I don't jabber. Well, I can speak about myself in a way I want to speak about myself. That's all I'm saying right there. I'll speak about myself how I want to speak about myself. Do that now. Nice. Now, we have somebody else very lovely. And oh, very felines aplenty. Mm, yes. This yummy, makes me yummy. very happy and satisfied. It satisfies me on a daily basis, and that would be Miss Cat. How do you do? Satisfaction guaranteed. Oh, <laughs> 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 Gosh. What's up, Cat? <laughs> um, uh, apparently jabbering and um, not making fun of me for once, like that. Like that? No, we <laughs> never <laughs> make fun of you, Cat. Ever? Never ever. We only love you. Yeah, whatever. 
Yeah. Okay, so so like Cat w- was over at our place like the majority of, of the weekend because we had this pretty massive Halloween bash um, yesterday. Yep. Which I, which I am still trying to recover from. Um. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. <laughs> there, it was good times. It was it was very good times. So good. Yeah. I'm happy. You should. I be. made up. I made up the uh, previous. Um, incidents on the last episode i made that up to cat this weekend you did oh yeah good she's no longer mad at me right cat you're right i'm happy i'm th- i'm just that good it's, <laughs> it's amazing what a triple o will get for you <laughs> oh. accessing good new acquisitions Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Ah, uh, yes. Hey, it's announcement time. GM of the land down of the GM of the, the Robert just joined us. <laughs> I That's mentioned him off the top of the show. GM of the land down under where they have Vegemite sandwiches. Yes, indeed. Yep. He's, um, he's, he's in the chat room, is he? Ah, uh, yes, he is. Echo base. So that's yeah, a couple of that's a couple of uh, that's a couple of Aussies in the chat room, among others from across the pond. So, welcome to the international audience we have. How many in the chat room? Seventy six right now in the chat room. Hello to all of you there guys. Echo base. So yeah, announcements. Sorry, I just cut you off. Go no, 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 no. I, I was I was just exclaiming the joy of announcements. We had a well. It's, when you're off the air for a couple of weeks, a lot tends to happen on the network, and we've got a lot of announcements from the network because we've had a lot of cool shows post up. Have we not? Have we not? We have lots. Then we've been gone for like two weeks. We have. You know what I love about announcements what? is it's an opportunity to forget one of our very important podcasts that I've released. It I'm is. Just say it every time. We always we forget one. Forget one. Not. Today. Well, we only have like fourteen podcasts now, so it's 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 easy to forget one, and they're all great. It, it, so it, it is. if we if we forget one, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, to off the bat, one of D twenty Radio's newest podcasts, man, they're they're just churning out the episodes. Uh, the Power Source gets their fourth edition groove on with episodes. You didn't say it right. How do I say it? Power. The Power Source. There you go. Gets their fourth edition groove on. Did you like groove? Like I did that? See what I did there? Yeah, okay. Uh, they released both episode three and four since we broadcast last, devoted to the Visanti and Primal Power, respectively. Uh, this has turned out to be, this is a great show, guys. Keep up the good work. If you guys haven't listened to the Power Source yet, you want some more fourth edition Jabba, then go ahead and give it a listen. It's an excellent cast. Yo, Jabba. Jabba, Jabba. Jabba. And, and they don't really Jabba as much no, as they, they converse. Jabba. As long as they Jabba. But, you know, just one of those things, so. Yup. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's next? I don't know. Why don't you tell us? Oh, okay. Champions <laughs> Online, dude. TweakoCast. That's right. <laughs> this week in Champion Online is um, released uh, episode number eight, where they are talking about a couple of new power sets and a new update. 
So you guys check it out. Champions Online. For all your Champions Online need, actually. Check out TweakoCast. It's very, very nice. And if your skin is in a crawling mood and you want to learn more about the works of famed author H.P. Lovecraft, and <laughs> who doesn't, uh, then, then D20 Radio has the answer to your tentacled prayers with the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Uh, Chris and Chad talk Lovecraft nonstop and have recently released episodes 16 and 17. Those guys are machines. They are machines. I mean, seven, machines. 17 freaking episodes already. They are. I'm going to say they're great old ones just because, you know, machine. Yeah. I know, man. They're going to catch up with Bruce City Gamers before you know it. Well, as Bruce City. Well, I don't know, man. What's up with Bruce City Gamers? Oh, did they actually, get like two you episodes out Yeah, result? they did. 38 and 39, dude. And uh, they're talking about like, well, I don't, you know, I mean, there's just way too much stuff to even go into. They pack their, they're packed their show so full of good stuff. But basically, it's just gaming all, all shapes and sizes. Just, Listen to them. I mean, they are so. I love these guys. They're awesome to listen to. I mean, Trazer and oh yeah, they're just they're just great. It's great. They're, they're, it's a funny podcast. It makes me want cheese curds. Oh God! See, you keep going on about these cheese curds. Ever since you went up there to the frigid north, you ran, ran, and raved about cheese curds. I found cheese curds at the Mall of America on Wednesday, and they squeaked until Friday when I left, and I was very happy. Happy, happy, joy, yes. joy. Share. Yes. I forgot them. I left them in my freaking hotel. Well, what's the point of that, Big D? I don't know, man. The maid must have. The maid probably ate them. She go, oh, he left his cheese curds behind. Oh, yeah, don't oh, you know? Oh, yeah, don't you know? <laughs> Game On has released two episodes since our last broadcast. Uh, episode 33, where Brian and a resurrected Andy. Welcome back, Andy. Uh, talk all about the game's 100 list. And then episode 34, the Halloween special. Uh, and, and, well, Kat, what was that? It was, like, it was like less game talk, but a lot more fun talk, yes? It was story time. It was story the time. The Monster Mesh. Yeah, here we go again. That's and if I, if I'm not mistaken, because I have not had a chance to listen to the Halloween special yet, you, you guest hosted on that, did you not? No, no. No, no. No, no. no. Okay. No. Brian read a story, and then he had a recording of another story, and they were spooky in nature and very excellent. Spooky. Was there an evil laugh in there? <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Radio Free Hamlet, in an episode, in 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 a in an attempt to not be outdone by Game On, released episode Adventure Thirty Three, and a I was waiting for that one. Often requested topic on the forums of skill challenges. And mm-hmm. so that's what they took a look at. So get your fourth edition on RFH, boys and girls, and go listen to Adventure Number Thirty Three. Yes, and meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast returns with Episode Twenty Four, A Kind of Magic, where mostly Joe reinvites. How the hell does he get these people? I <laughs> Joe has on again author Matthew Kaiser uh, to talk about his new mutants and mastermind supplement spells and rituals. Well, Which is uh, is very cool, Joe. Again, I bow to your guest see, getting. Prowess. That's one of those things, man. Where the Order sixty six, uh, Order sixty six, D twenty Radio now has the clout to where we go out and we get guys like Matthew Kaiser and 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 Sam Whitwer and and like Rodney Thompson. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Because we are the bomb diggity and all that and a bag of chips. Oh oh yeah. Speaking oh, yeah. of all that and a bag of chips and probably in, <laughs> probably a tube of. Oreos as well. GM Brev is back with uh, his sidekick Tenny, 
and they go through some of the new Galaxy Ors minis, which is greatness. On Minis in, Mayhem? Uh, episode number 17 of Minis Mayhem. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh-huh. Wait and for it. I, I spoke to Brev today. He said they were going to be recording episode 18 tonight. Really? Well, that's awesome. It would be, it would be up tonight. Cool. Take a look at it, man. Episode seven, episode 17 and then 18. For your minis consumption. It, it's mini-licious. Absolutely. Yes. And OM freaking G, the minus world is back. I love it. Woohoo! Uh, just when you thought everyone's favorite video gaming podcast was never going to produce an episode again, they released their eighth venture. Part one of a two-parter all about the glory of Zelda. I love it. Because we all love Zelda. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. Ah, ah, it's very nice. So I hear SBV is back, too. Oh, you know, I understand they're Sigmar's favorite podcast. Sigmar's favorite? Yes. Sigmar's choice. Oh, yes. nice. All right. Well, you know what? Episode 10, which was the second part of Old School and Shibuta's look at chaos in the Warhammer fantasy RPG. And number 11, which is how to bring the Blood Bowl into your <laughs> Warhammer, Warhammer fantasy game and vice versa. It's awesome. Very nice. And City of Doors um, also released a spooky episode uh, where Reaper Brian and the Hov talk about paranormal concepts and other spooky stuff to enter into your game. Really hey, nice. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you heard about them at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Heard from them. And you remembered them. Yay. I did. That's right. And not to be outdone, ladies and gentlemen, the Holocron episode or holocron number 19 went up this very evening mere moments before the order 66 podcast began nice so you may download it at your leisure to complete basically a superfecta of all our shows except for anything having to do with gm jed (laughs) so you're saying cinematic attic not 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 up yeah not up no, no, no. God, that was like a long... We had more stuff released. Way, way to go, D20 Radio. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Way to we've go. Had a lot, we've had a lot of stuff released. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's good. Well, dude, I, I, you're never going to believe this, okay? Juicy Bits of Web Goodness is back. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've had a juicy bit of web goodness. I know, man. Stars have aligned, dude. Stars have aligned. The, the the nine well no no what, what was it eight is it eight now eight planets we have now and some, oh, not nine anymore yeah it's eight. The, eight my my daughter had to rip like nine pages out of her science book that talked about Pluto gotcha okay so the eight the eight planets have come into convergence it is a sad and glorious day for many as the dawn of defiance campaign has finally reached its conclusion the final installment of the series adventure 10 the jaws of the sarlacc is up now and available for your download and immediate playing pleasure play it report it let them make more that's right very good you can find it right now www.wizards.com slash star wars that and so much more yep and if you guys are interested in heading down to little rock in the two weeks time November 13th through the 15th at the Wyndham Hotel and Resort, North Little Rock, Arkansas, you will find the Little Rock GameCon 2009. Find it on the web at littlerockgamecom.com, littlerockgamecon.com. I was just all ready to put .com on the end of that sucker, wasn't I? You're dot ready, dot com right, already. So That's the local funny. 501st is going to be there at the con. 
Uh, you can participate in a raffle run, and uh, you know, I mean, you're going to get like a, a free copy of Galaxy at War that that is signed by Donovan Morning Fire. Jonathan uh, Stevens. Yeah, hey, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy, and a replica blaster carbine used by the hundred and first. Five oh first. What did I say? You said a hundred and first. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's my cousin's unit. All proceeds go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So nice. it's a good cause. You guys go out and support them. Yes, you should. And what if, what if you can't get to Little Rock, Arkansas the weekend of the, of the, of the 13th through the 15th? Uh, maybe you can go to a tiny town in western Pennsylvania. Eastern Pennsylvania, actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mid-Eastern Pennsylvania, or MEPACon, which is actually a, a, a semi-annual con that happens in Mid-Eastern Pennsylvania, is also going to be going on that same weekend if you guys are out there. And if you can check out more information at www.meepacon.com. Meeples. Meeples. I'm yes. a big fan of meeples. I, so uh, I touched I was, my meeples there, actually. I was thinking, like, for Halloween next year, um, TG, Kat, maybe we can, like, we can all do this together. Um, we could dress as meeples. <laughs> like just different colors. That would be funny. Wow. Maybe. 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 We could all bring like a road. One of us could have a road. One of us had could have a part of a castle. Somebody else could have like a whole bunch of grass around them because they're a farmer. Yes. Nice. This is a Carcassonne <laughs> reference for you non-board gamers out there. Carcassonne. Very, very nice. Yes, yes. Plenty of announcements. Lots of good announcements going on in the Star Wars world right now and D20 Radio. Absolutely. Fantastic. And I have one more. Okay. Good evening. I'm Luke Lowbrow for the Hullinet News Network. Handguns have been banned in all restaurants and cantinas on Tatooine. The legislative reforms are credited to the efforts of the friends and family of a fallen Rhodian bounty hunter whose foundation is called No Crispa Grido. When two local constables were called to Chalam's Cantina in Moss Eisley to enforce the new law, they were gunned down in a hail of blaster fire by all of the bar's patrons. When Imperial investigators arrived on the scene, each of the patrons responded by yelling, I am Spartacus! No, I am Spartacus! The new handgun ban is now under repeal. After its 1,000th fatality, the Malastare pod racing track has shut down due to its inability to secure the necessary insurances. In two years' time, the complex will reopen as a Tauntaun racing track. Tauntaun jockeys who come in last place will be required to sleep inside the sliced open chest cavities of their Tauntauns. The upcoming fall lineup for the Hollow Reality TV network will include a celebrity version of The Biggest Loser. The show features overweight celebrity contestants competing to lose the largest percentage of their body weight. The contestant pool will include Senator Ornfree Ta, Baron Papanoida, Jabba the Hutt, and Malakili, the lovable and shirtless Rancor Trainer. This season's fitness instructor will be the regenerating Jendai bounty hunter, Dirge. Here's a clip from the show. Jabba. Get your fat, corpulent slug patootie back on that treadmill. I don't care that you don't have legs, Jabba. I don't care that you don't think you can slither fast enough. Look, I'll cut my own leg right off at the hip. I'm doing it right now. Look, I'm cutting my own leg off. I can still get on this treadmill with one leg and outrun your pathetic, bootalicious lard rolls, Jabba. Uh-oh. Okay, my leg just grew back, okay, but still, Jabba, come on! So help me, Jabba, 
If you do not get back on that treadmill, I will call Jillian Michaels to come down here. I will call her to come down here and ride you like a space worm, Jabba. Don't test me. I have her cell number right here, Jabba. Yeah. So he, he's gone for a week, and then he comes back, and he brings his A game, is what, is what we're saying. Yeah, pretty much, man. Wow. Oh. That's impressive. Very nice work, Dan. It was, dude. D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Yep. All right, D20 Docking Bay, guys. Email, phone, all kinds of good questions coming in to the Docking Bay. You guys can email us at gmdave at d20radio.com. GM Chris, d20radio.com. Tweet that goodness at d20radio.com. Cat at d20radio.com. Just email anybody you want to. Hey, I don't have that email address. Uh, yeah, you're right. I just made it up. So you'll start getting email now. Give me 15 minutes. 15. Oh. I'd heard that about you. <laughs> he's he's lying. Don't listen to him. Yeah, it's That's more it's more like seven. Twelve. Oh, I was being generous. <sighs> yeah, you were. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We can't all go ninety. It's all right. Okay. So, um, everybody, we got an email this week from Red fifteen seventy five. This is the guy that actually was on the other side of the planet because you know they only had like nine Reds check in, so he was way back in the pack. <laughs> He was behind Red Fox, and he was behind Red October, and all those others. <laughs> red buttons, and simply red. Simply red, standing <laughs> by. That's right. <laughs> all right, so he says, I enjoyed listening to your latest episode on space combat. Oh, well, thank you very much. My question is, what do you do about experience points? Eh? Well, I had a- an encounter similar to the Falcon's escape from the Death Star, and my four CL2s destroyed four TIE Fighters. Do I award the party 4,800 points for overcoming the encounter? That seems high because it puts them halfway toward their next level. It would put it would take many ground-based encounters to equal that many experience points. Mm. So well, sir, <clears throat> that's, that's that's a good question. And uh, indeed, the encounter was not worth 4,800 experience points. Your instincts—they are dead on. The reason it's not worth that much is because the challenge is modified by the ships that your PCs are flying. Simply put, a level 2 player character in an X-Wing is going to smack down a CL7 TIE Fighter. So how do you do experience then? The answer, sir, and, and TG, TG, I know you're going to rant about this in a second. Just let me let me finish. <sighs> I, okay. Is how Let's you award experience. The answer is in the Starships of the Galaxy book, page 35, section entitled Challenge Level Adjustments for Starship Disparities. Now, we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. There is a somewhat complex formula. (laughs) Underrated. Hey, 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 hey. There is a somewhat complex formula for adjusting a foe's CL based on the ship you are flying. Basically, take the CL of the ship the heroes are flying, or, or the average CL if there's multiple ships, Subtract any crew modifiers, and that's per the, the, the crew quality sidebar, page 174 of the core rulebook. Take that number, divide it by two, rounding down if you need to, and subtract that result 
from the foe's CL to give them an adjusted appropriate CL based on the ship you are flying. So, there you go. Now, TG? There you go. Hmm. Yeah. You may rant. You say that that is simple, and I think it's overly complicated. It doesn't need to be that complicated. Now, I would ask anybody to try to, who's never read this before, who's never heard this before, try to repeat exactly what you just said the formula was. (laughs) And I'm a math person, and I still can't remember that stupid formula. It's not okay. that hard. It's it no, it really isn't hard math, but it's more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, seriously, if you've got, uh, I just think you should look at the CL of the two different ships that are going against each other and just measure them based off of the two ships. You, your PCs, you shouldn't take the ships, the opponent's ships CL, and then compare that to your. PC CL. That doesn't make sense because your PCs are in a ship, so use the ship they're using. Well, no, because and it's that be- CL. No, because a, a tenth level PC flying an X wing and a second level PC flying an X wing, the tenth level PC will be better. They have more. Uh, they're not going to be that much better. What do you? They, they've got. They're they're going to have at a minimum a plus eight higher base attack bonus. They're going to have massive a, at least another plus four or plus five to their pilot check or any other skill checks they make. They're going to have talents and feats they can use. There's going to be uh, no. I'm serious. Okay. And what if not not level ten? What if we what if we talk about level fifteen or sixteen compared to level one or level two? The difference well, is you're that. being a stupid GM to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you put your PCs up against a fifteenth. Level? No, 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 okay. no, no. I, I'm no, comparing, no, no. You, no, I'm gonna, comparing PC a... against PC. Okay, then, then do that. Take out the ships. If the if the the challenge level, if the level of the character is so important, then either take out the ships completely and say, okay, you just defeated a fifteenth level such and such, even though he was in this tenth level um, ship or whatever. That's equal to your tenth level ship. No, that, but y'all are level two. You're making it so much more complicated than it needs to be because enemy NPC ships, you don't you don't stat out the level of a pilot. It, it, it's a CL for a static ship that just has a crew modifier associated with it. That's it. Only well, then, only, okay, on, no, no, only on the player character side does it no, get no, complicated. No, 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 no. You're going two different ways here. You're saying, well, well, when you do it your way, then you're not accounting for the fact that the crew could be a fifteenth level. Well, if you're only using just this base stats for the ship and using just the base crew and not sticking in your own NPC that's 15th level, then just do the your PC's ship level against the enemy's ship level. Period. It's simple. That's simple. That's all you need to do. If you've but, got but, an NPC drive no buts. If you've got an NPC that's driving that crazy ship over there and then you do your npc against your pc's levels and forget about the ships it's simple it's simple it didn't need to be so freaking complicated but but you can't do ship versus ship because regardless what you're saying is regardless of the ship i'm flying that tie fighter is still a cl7 and i should be awarded cl7 experience for it even though i'm only second level i just happen to be flying an x-wing no, because if you if you say this CL7 ship that I'm flying is fighting this CL7 
enemy ship. So what kind of XP would you give? You, a 7th level? It, it doesn't matter based on the PC's level. You get a static amount of experience for defeating a CL7 ship. It doesn't matter what level you are. Unless you're over six levels above them, then you get like a tenth. But but that's the thing. The the XP award you get doesn't vary based on your level normally. That's why this is important, because you're scaling down their threat and the XP you're awarded based on the ship you're flying. Hmm. I still don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is Great. your prerogative. Cat! You're awfully quiet. I think it's overly complicated. Ah, yay! I love Cat. <laughs> I love her. It may um, be, but it works. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. So saith the kiss principle lover. Uh, oh, she just called you out. I don't think it's that hard, guys. I mean, the the seal of the ship minus the crew modifier, which you you would you would plus or minus any modifiers anyway, divide by two. That's it. Hello. That's it. It's you I know. mean, and that's the thing. It's not like I have to know this in my head. I don't memorize the XP uh, awarding charts. I have to go to the book for that. This is this, literally this isn't even a page in a book. It's like a sidebar in yeah, a book. Besides, okay, this is for the GM. To do. This is not for the players. In the books, but this is not <laughs> this is not for the player. This is for the GM. The GM, how he, how you know, anyway. I don't think we're going to solve this, so let's move on. <laughs> um, okay, Preacher23 has another question uh, in the Starship vein, and he has uh, says a question on uh, Starship shields. Do asteroids and the like bypass Starship shields? Question mark. Kinetic attacks bypass personal energy shields, as stated in the core rulebook. Does this apply to projectile attacks that do not do damage until the physical impact occurs? Meteor gunner, fire! How does this affect missiles or mines? I'm assuming the KISS applies here, but it's worth looking at. Well, meteor guys, gun? what do you think? I need my scepter before I can issue the meteor gun a fire command. <laughs> I would hope the KISS principle would apply here, unlike with other... Um... Projectile attacks. All right. I I mean, if you're going to throw an asteroid at somebody, to me, it's about the same as shooting a blaster bolt at him. So uh, I'm going to, yeah, shields are shields. That's it. Shields are shields. Your, your insides serve you well. Um, kiss, kiss does apply here, Preach. Um, SR works against all and any damage per raw. Uh, the personal energy shields you talk about, which are noted in the Code Tour campaign guide, are unique in that they are called out as only working against energy attacks. But standard SR applies to anything, everything. That's why they're called energy shields, okay? Personal energy shields, yes. Anyway, all right, sorry. I'm, I'm getting a little bit on <laughs> Does that make sense? I mean, a lot of people have some disparity about this. I know there's been some bitter, bitter form arguments. Do you guys, I mean, I, I get the KISS principle, but realistically, do you guys Do you guys think it should only apply to energy attacks? Because I'm, I'm fine with it blocking, you know, kinetic attacks too, you know, physical attacks. It's a shield. Okay, it's a shield. Am I going to walk up to the aluminum falcon and hit it with a sword? A sword. A saber. Just give it a saber. Yes. I don't know, TG, Cat, I mean, what, what do you think? Media gun, fire. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a specific incident. Why not? 
why not let that equipment work the way it's designed to? There you go. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Boom. Way to go, cat. All right. So, uh, Sky, Skay, Sky, S K A I, Sky says this. Could you define and explain the meaning of soft cover? When is soft cover? When what what when is it soft cover and not normal cover? Are there any differences? Please help me. Oh. So. Well, yes, there there are differences. Um, what what's rough, Sky Sky, <laughs> is that soft cover isn't really detailed in the core rulebook in the combat chapter at all. The only place you really find it detailed is in the sniper feet description. Simply, soft cover is the cover provided by characters, creatures, or droids. When you when you receive cover from somebody, soft tissue. St- yes, yes, or well, yeah, usually <laughs> like a dog or a dog-like thing. When you when you receive cover from somebody standing between you and the target, it's cover, and it gets you that plus five, but it's soft cover. That's that's the distinction. Yep. Yeah. All right. Last so thing we have. Oh, so okay, the soft out. cover is just fluff. Well, no, it's it, it's crunch. It actually gives you the plus five, but it's it's soft. It's still so it really isn't different from hard cover. Well, no, because hard hard cover like like there's certain feats you can do that negate soft cover. Okay. Like, yeah. Like point like, blank. So that stuff. that's what I'm trying to find out is what's yeah. the benefit of having soft cover versus hard cover? Well, hard 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 cover is much more permanent than soft cover. Soft cover is somebody in front of you. Like, but the big thing is there's there's the sniper feat lets you basically negate soft cover. So people, objects. You know, or people, uh, creatures, droids, don't provide cover to your foes, which is a, right. a big deal. Right, and if you okay. only have soft cover, you need some Cialis. <laughs> because Cat cat won't take soft cover. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, she won't. Don't take that, Cat. Fire back. Mm, she doesn't uh, take it. That's what we're saying. <laughs> um, wow. Dave, we can discuss this later. Yes, we will. I'm sure we will. Uh, okay, lastly, question from Singular Stratagem. Singularly writes this. A player in my group wants to play a sniper PC, taking levels in Gunslinger Prestige class, mainly for the sharpshooter talent tree in Galaxy at War. Possibly some assassin and bounty hunter. However, he's pointed out that most sniper-centric talents only work if the target is outside point-blank range. My player complains that this makes no sense, since a closer target shouldn't be any harder to aim at, hit, or damage than a far-off one, at least not with most weapons. Further, this also means that using the far-shot feat on a target or a targeting scope to reduce range categories all the way into point-blank, a very sniperish thing to do at first glance, can be a bad idea since it makes the sniping talents unusable. I mostly agree with my player is my logic flawed, would it be unbalancing to house rule that these sniping talents can be used at point blank range? No. Yes. No. <laughs> well, you're there's... trained. You're a sniper's trained to sit there and take their shot. Where when you're in close range, so when you're in point blank shot, you're gonna be almost face-to-face with that person, they could probably see. You're not going to have time to snipe. Oh, see, I, I, I agree with you, TG. I, 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 meant, I meant the same thing. Yeah, oh. that, that's, okay. where, that's where I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. I'm, I'm with her. Yeah, what yeah, she well, said. But, but there, there is a flaw in his logic, and it, it's kind of a big one, okay? F- uh, this is important, okay, because the devs have clarified this stratagem. 
Um, Rodney himself went to great lengths to do so on our very podcast. Far shot and, and scopes don't actually extend your point-blank range. They simply remove the penalty for longer ranges. It's not the same thing. And that is even clarified in the sidebar on the same page as the sharpshooter talent tree, page 31 of Gaw. So um, this was important at the time because Munchens were trying to slap a scope on or, or take far shot and use point-blank abilities at longer ranges. Uh-uh. Point-blank is still 20 squares for pistols, 30 squares for rifles, period. Uh, this affects your sniper in, in, in a different way, though. Uh, regardless of his feats or gear, he's still beyond point blank when beyond 30 squares for that rifle. So there you go. Um, I don't know, guys. I mean, I mean, no, it's fine, dude. I mean, it's a simple answer. It's good. It, it, it is, but I mean, like, like only the sharpshooter, like, as, as as far as as far as the the sharpshooter talent tree abilities. I mean, those are the only non-point blank stuff in the book. There's other sniper goodness out there. There's dead eye. There's sniper shot. Careful shot, debilitating shot, hunter's mark, snapshot, and those things don't give a crap what range you're at. Um, yeah, I mean, as for the sharpshooter abilities themselves, which are admittedly, I mean, some of the juicier sniper abilities in the game, they, you know, working at point blank range. Um, I, I agree with TG. I don't think so, man, because they are awesome sauce drenched, and one of the primary balancing factors for that awesome is the range dependency. I mean, you strip that away, the balance is gone. So. Yep. I think it makes sense. Beautiful. All right, I have one more question Good. from GM Brev. Oh. Oh, goodness. Hey, guys, it's GM Brev, and I just had a general question. Uh, not in any way trying to point any fingers, Chris, but <laughs> let's say you're playing a game with a GM who never uses any of the, doesn't have any moments where any of your specialized feats um, or skills, besides like initiative and use the force or perception, come into play and then how would you from a player's perspective how would you go to your GM and try to fix that situation um, it's something that's popped in my head and I thought you know what maybe there's people out there that have that kind of situation going on so essentially how would you guys approach the GM like that so yeah and Dave you're a beautiful beautiful man <laughs> I okay I got an Bye. answer for him oh Okay. Well, goodness, I got an answer for him. He um, he needs to get. What you can do is get your GMs to start a podcast, so that way you can call in, and then call them out in front of hundreds of listeners <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that's got to be the most effective way of doing it, right there. Well, okay, I don't. I don't think I'm a big offender in this regard. I mean, the three of you game with me. Do, do you guys have any special skills or abilities that I never give you the opportunity to use? Uh, climb. I've never once been able to use a climb check as a Wookie. I disagree wholeheartedly. In fact, I think one of the greatest gaming moments in our campaign that you've re recalled fondly re re required a climb check. Where? Uh, grabbing Jump, onto off. the back of the speeder above the sore sharks fl uh, flying over the ocean. Was that a climb check? Because I don't remember being able to re-roll that. Mm. I don't well, remember. I don't remember, though. I remember jumping. I remember the jump. It might have been a climb to get back you, on. You failed the jump, and therefore you had to make the climb check. Oh, okay. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> Great. One one time. Great. Awesome. Honestly, I think to answer from the player's perspective, to answer Brev's question, is try to provide suggestions for the GM during the game. Reminders, so the yeah. GM presents you with a situation 
And you need to think about how can I use my special ability in this specific situation. Now, I I know Brad's going to get frustrated at this because I know for a fact that he has done this on many occasions. And then those ideas kind of get shot down. So I'm not quite sure once if you've done that, what do you do next? So if you've tried to do that and bring up suggestions of ways to use your special abilities and your GM still keeps shooting you down and doesn't let you use it, then maybe talk to him and ask him if he thinks maybe that feat is just useless and ask him if he'll let you retrain. If he's not, that might get his attention more than anything and say, hey, I never have an opportunity to use this. You, I've brought it up on this and this and this and this occasion and you've shot them down and there's no other time for me to use it. So maybe I just need to retrain. That might get his attention and just talk to him, I guess. Yeah. I think that's an excellent suggestion, TG. Good job. Way to go. Um, Way to no, go. seriously. I mean, that, that's, that's an excellent suggestion. I mean, as, as a GM, I think you, you try to take your players' abilities into account when you write your stuff and listen to things reasonable if they suggest something, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense or isn't going to work. I mean, I, shoot, I give you guys the opportunity, to, I know, to retrain what between every single session, I think, right? Um, yeah. So, so far. Um, because that very thing, you know, you, 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 you take something and you're like, wow, this is going to be great. And then in practice, it sucks or you find yourself never having the opportunity to use it. Um, you know, and if you, yeah, seriously, yeah, like, I think. Like yeah. phase. Hey, phase, I've tried to use phase at least once. It was very cinematic too. Other than that, I think you forget you had it. No, I just, it's really freaking hard to use. So you yeah. don't want to. <laughs> You don't want to try it and fail when death is on the line. (laughs) When death is on the line? Yeah. Okay. All right. uh, We are going to, in the interest of time, stop down for fragments from the rim real quick, and then we'll be back with the meat of the show. So give us about three and a half minutes, and we'll be back with you on the other side. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 33 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen the Assault Gambit talent from page 24 of the Rebel Era Campaign Guide. This talent is particularly useful for a noble-type character who is perhaps not very good in combat, and a player who would prefer to boost their fellow player turn a standard action, you can designate one ally and one enemy that have line of effect to each other. The ally and the enemy make opposed initiative checks, and the winner can make a single immediate melee or ranged attack against the loser. No character can benefit from this talent more than once per round. This is a really useful talent. Now, you've got to have a partner amongst your ally who is highly skilled in initiative checks. I'd go so far as to suggest a skill focus in initiative checks and perhaps even a few other things if you can manage it. But it's an excellent way to allow the most powerful and perhaps most heavily armed member of your party, to act in combat and to add that much more effectiveness in combat. Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to talk about a couple of the scoundrel talents from the Starships of the Galaxy book. 
The first one I'm going to discuss is fast repairs. Whenever you jury-rig an object or vehicle, the vehicle gains a number of temporary hit points equal to the result of your mechanics check. Damage is subtracted from these temporary hit points first, and temporary hit points go away at the conclusion of the encounter. You only need to be trained in the mechanics skill. And what's really nice about this is that it's a good way for a ship in the middle of combat, if you've got a droid who's good at mechanics, if you've got an engineer on a much larger ship, they can make a fast repairs roll and... Give some temporary hit points to your ship. Depending upon the roll, you may not get you know a lot of hit points. I think the minimum roll for jury rig is 20, so you're probably going to get at least 20 hit points, which in a pinch can be the difference between life or death. Now, when you couple that with the idea of quick fix, once per encounter, you may jury rig an object or vehicle that is not disabled. Now, when I first read this, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's doesn't seem like a big deal until I realized that in order to jury-rig an object, it has to be disabled, which means it's got to be five steps down the condition track. This allows you to not have to wait until it's five steps down the condition track. It just has to be damaged in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't even have to be down the condition track at all. So if you couple that with your fast repairs, halfway through a combat, you're two or three steps down the condition track, or none. Your ship's taken a bunch of little hits that have caused a bunch of... Uh, uh, hit points to the hull, and you use quick fix and fast repairs to basically have your droid in a fighter or your engineer in a much larger ship quickly give some quick hit points back to the ship and keep you in the battle that much longer. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Very nice. Beautiful, thank boys. You. Thank you, thank you. Thank That's you, awesome. Alex and Trev. They always do such good work. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Dave. Yes. Cat, TG. I, yes. I think, I, I believe it is time. Oh. For, okay. for the meat. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Chat room's right, man. Where's um the postcard? You, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I honestly, guys, I didn't get a postcard from Commander Cody this week. I'm a little worried. It's been at this point really two weeks since we've gotten one, and uh, I know his last message was kind of. Uh, I mean, he didn't even address it to me. I mean, Dave, TG, you guys didn't get one, did you? No. No, I didn't get one. I'm a little worried about him, but, uh, you know, I, I figure he's probably off serving the Empire, you know, in a very, uh, you know, Im- imperial way. Yeah, I'm sure. No doubt. Okay. All right, so let's talk about... What are we talking about? We're talking about the meat. We're talking about the Pathfinder today. You see, Gamer Nation, it's that time again. It's time to get crunchy. We, we've asked you to tell us what you would like us to talk about, and you have not disappointed. We currently have no less than a dozen requests to talk about specific prestige classes. We hear you, loud and clear. So we're going to start with the oldest of those requests. Um, this started with an email received actually some time ago uh, from our good friend Darth Steve uh, and was uh, recently echoed in a humble request by Reaper Brian. Um, but Dave, why don't you hit us up with, with Darth Steve's original email. Steve. Hey, Steve. Steve. Okay, so he says, Hey, guys, I just started playing in a new campaign set in the Rebellion era. I love the idea of playing a Pathfinder. I think it's just cool. 
But as I'm going through the prestige class, it's not really what I expected at all. I like it, but it seems like this is uh, more of a noble class. Either way, I want to play it badly. You know, dude, don't use an adverb. Adverbs are a lazy tool of a weak mind. Can you please delve into it? My group gets a lot out of your prestige class discussions. Thanks a lot, and I never listen. Good, so you won't hear the adverb comment. <laughs> Steve, our friend Steve. Our friend Steve. Well, Steve, thank you. Okay. Uh, in the Star Wars universe, guys, Pathfinders, they, they were a group of elite rebel scouts who helped the Evermobile Rebellion scour the galaxy for new bases and things like that. Um, and in, in combat, they were invaluable to guerrilla warfare and mobile tactics. Now, in Saga Edition, the Pathfinder Prestige class is one that is, is beautifully designed, wonderfully built for what it does. So what does it do? The Pathfinder is, bottom line, one of the more flavorful and interesting support classes in the game. But true to the mythos of the Scout, it is a support class that uses the Scout's undisputed mastery of terrain to aid his allies. And it is also, unarguably, the most robust and tough of the support classes. For a support character in the line of fire, serving with a military unit, or in rough country for weeks at a time, few could do better than the Pathfinder. So let's scout ahead, dear listeners, to page 43 of your Rebellion Era campaign guides, and let's mark terrain for the Pathfinder. So let's scout ahead. TG, hit us up here with some of the basics here. What kind of prerequisites do you think you need to have, TG, to, to, to get into this prestige class? Well, there's got to be a minimum level. Yeah, and what, do you, what, what, what would you guess that would be? Um, um, As if, like, you didn't have show notes or the book in front of you or anything like that. Um, seven. <laughs> you got to be seventh level. Minimum seven. Level. Yeah, that's got to be a given. Yeah. What, what, what else you got to have to get into this prestige class? Well, perception. If you're going to be scouting terrain, you got to have perception and survival. Duh. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Makes sense. You're a pathfinder. You're a scout. So those are the trained skills you got to have? Yeah. Perception and survival. And you've got to have at least two talents from the awareness, camouflage, or survivor talent trees. Makes sense. They're all scout talent trees. And all of them have abilities that are useful for a pathfinder. Cool. Bottom line, Gamer Nation, you're going to need at least three levels of scout just to get into this prestige class, not only to qualify to train in survival, uh, but also to access the talents you need. So as for the other four levels, I, I don't know. Staying in scout, it's not really a bad idea. I mean, a lot of scout talents are going to help you in this role, but multi-classing into soldier might not be a bad idea for, for a real combat-heavy game. Um, as you're, you'll benefit greatly from the high base attack bonus and the hit points. Now, Kat, like, I, I know in, in, in our current flagship game, you're playing a, a straight Jedi, Jedi Knight, and you're, you're a very role-playing heavy character, and you do actually do a lot of party support considering. Do you find the, 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 the extra base attack bonus, the extra hit points worth it? Um, I mean, or, or, you know, could you go without? Well, personally, I like having more hit points just because it... It lets me do things that might cause pain a little more easily. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not as worried. Like causing pain. <laughs> yeah. My, my well, pain. Uh, pain to myself. How about that? Um, it's just a little, it's easier to be brave when you know you can take a hit. Makes good sense. Good point. 
very, very good point. So if you find yourself you know, in a campaign that you're going to have those, those, those high chances, I think it might be worthwhile to multi-class into Soldier after you get your, your basics out of the way and get the prereqs met with Scout. But let's delve into the prestige class proper, some of the class basics. Um, this class has a poor base attack bonus, and th- that doesn't really surprise me. I don't know, guys. I mean, it, what? It, it's, 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 it's a Scout revamped, right? I mean, even, even as a beefed-up Scout... What direct combat is still not your primary focus, right? I mean, and, and frankly, I don't know. If this prestige class had a full base attack bonus, as, as we get into it, I think you'll think it would probably be too good <laughs> as is. But okay, guess TG what hit die this class has? A D eight. Negative D ten. You're kidding. That's huge. That's huge. Wowzer. Wowzer. Yeah. Uh, basically, as a Pathfinder, you're just a tough son of a gun. You're very tough. You're very hardy. And that's also reflected in the defense bonuses for the class. Uh, pathfinders get a plus four to their fortitude and wow. a plus two to reflex. Um, wow. Again, you're a hardy, hardy, hardy fellow. Yeah, you are. And why don't you tell us about the even level ability they have? They have this even level ability, uh, according to my show notes, <laughs> that, say, uh, that is uh, create cover. And it's Apparently pretty boss for this uh, concept. Basically, you can create cover as a standard action. Cinematically, this could be identifying a low obstacle that others may not have noticed, hastily digging a shallow pit, knocking debris into a, use, into a useful formation, or even hurling a rucksack in front of you. That's pretty cool. Mechanically, as a standard action, you can designate a number of squares equal to half your class level all of which must be within six squares of you, and one of which must be actually adjacent to you. These squares are now considered to be filled with low object, meaning they can provide adjacent characters with cover from ranged attackers. And what's really cool is that you can actually use this ability multiple times per encounter, limited to the number of squares you can create. So, as an example... A 10th level Pathfinder can blow his wad in one go and use (laughs) the entire ability to create five squares of cover. And it's done for the encounter. Or he can use it five times during an encounter, creating a single square of cover each time. Or twice an encounter, perhaps creating two squares of cover one time and then three squares the next time. Any combination will work and it's worth it's also worth noting that what this talent does is create low objects. These serve as cover, but they have other uses. You can move through lo- low objects, but only at half speed. And uh, they also block charging lanes, which is really useful if you're fighting a Wookiee like Dave. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. So, big, big deal. So basically, if your GM ever puts you in that blank 20 by 20 room of death with no cover, no concealment, no nothing. You know, they, they didn't listen to the list. Um, with this ability, you can just create cover out of thin air. And So, to, so if uh, Dave, not Dave, if Brev had this special ability, um, his GM would just not provide any cover in any encounter so that way he could use it to create cover. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah, we're we're like answering all kinds of questions today, on the ball. Yeah. yeah. 
I really like this ability, and I think it is a, a base ability that is... Um, a lot of even-level abilities are kind of sucky. Um, I think this one is pretty pretty awesome, and it, it can work its way into a lot of talents later on, but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. So let's continue to talk about Mark and Terrain, the, the down and dirty. Far and away, it's the talents of this prestige class that make it what it is, and the talents of the Pathfinder, they're unlike anything else found in the game. The Pathfinder gets access to the Scout's Awareness and Survival talent trees, but also the brand new Pathfinder talent tree, which provides abilities to allow you to do a couple things. To enhance your cover, aid allied movement, and coolest of all, I love this, create zones of terrain that benefit your allies in unique ways. So as we talk about this talent tree, we'll start with kind of the more cover-oriented talents, then we'll move into the zones. Dave, why don't you hit us up with the, the first talent in this tree? Uh, here we go. This is called the Bunker Blaster, boys and girls. <laughs> when you're adjacent to an object that gives you cover from a target, you can aim at the target as a single move action instead of two swifts. This means you get a swift you normally wouldn't, and maybe to activate a talent. And, oh, yeah. Thanks to create cover, you'll never be without cover if you don't want to be. Very nice. Very, very nice. So this is this is kind of, this is kind of useful, but I mean cover, I mean what guys, it's a plus 5 to your reflex defense. I mean I talk I mean seriously answer me. You guys you guys have learned to use cover pretty effectively in in your play styles. I mean I would I would gather from watching you guys play. Sure. Yeah. I think so. I, I don't think know about if cover. it's something I consciously think about though. Yeah, I don't know. That's if, a good you know, thing. Yeah, I never. I the only thing I ever really think about is when I'm around cat, and you know, I think about hardcover. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you know, you insist oh, on Lord. it, so you know that's just the way it goes. But <laughs> well, the uh, TG, why don't you hit us up with the the next talent? Uh, this kind of building off of bunker blaster. Well, it's called enhanced cover, and it's a pretty crazy cool ability as a swift action. You choose a single ally within line of sight who has cover. That ally now has improved cover. Like, how many freaking definitions of cover are there? There's soft <laughs> cover. There's hard cover. cover no, there's there's, there's, there's cover. There's three types of cover: there's soft, hard, soft, improved, and cover. That's it. Oh, no, there's no hard cover. What about gazebo cover? When you're talking to the gazebo, there is no gazebo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. The ally now has improved cover until the start of your next turn. Okay. Now, what does that do? What does that do for them, though? Well, it, I'll tell you, Mister uh, Impatient. Oh, it gives yeah. you a plus ten cover bonus instead of a plus five. Bam. And oh yeah, thanks to create cover, as long as the ally is within six squares of you, they'll always have cover if you want them to. Nice. It's a standard. And a swift, so give one ally a plus 10 to their reflex. Nice. Yeah. Boom. We call that kitty cover. Take that, Noble. <laughs> hey. No, seriously, that's awesome. I mean, it's standard action to, cr to create cover and then in front of an ally and then a swift to go, you, haha, that's now improved cover. And so, yeah, plus 10 to your reflex defense. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any noble cover. that gives a plus 10 bonus. No. Never that's seen pretty one. freaking cool. Never seen one. Well, the next ability, uh, the next talent in this in this talent tree is, is escort fighter. The first and transport did you is say away. Es escort? No. Something you just said escort. Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> escort your whole load. Whole escort, lot. escort fighter. 
<laughs> Escort Fighter is an ability that gives you basically the cinematic power to literally shepherd an ally to safety. Okay, so how it works is you spend a swift action to select an adjacent ally until the start of your next turn. If you move, he moves with you. This is basically using your movement to grant additional movement to an ally. And as a swift action, you can escort two allies and still move, because you can spend a swift, a swift, and then take your move action. And that's moving all three of you on a single turn. That's pretty freaking awesome. Uh, you can escort on two allies. Uh, that's talent here. right there. Damn. <laughs> Delirium I'm happy, is I'm happy in. you're happy. Delirium. It's, it's delirium on a Sunday night. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is delirious on a delirium on a Sunday night. Oh dear. Well, those are the basic cover talents in this talent tree. Um, but then we move on to the really interesting stuff that makes this prestige class really unique, and we don't find really abilities like this anywhere else in the game. Um, and the the first talent of that set, Dave. Why don't you why don't you let us into that because it's this is this is pretty good stuff. Uh, this is like. Um well, big brother to uh, escort fighter, and this is like uh, safe passage. That's what it's called. Escort fighter is a prerequisite for this ability, and so once a turn, you spend your move action to allow one ally within line of sight to move at speed as a reaction. And if that ally provokes an attack of opportunity by moving, you get to take an attack of opportunity on the guy that took a pot shot at him. How about that? Nice. You get to stay hunkered down and maneuver your allies all across the battlefield, basically taking pot shots at whoever is fool enough to uh, foolish enough to attack them. So, I think that's Br just awesome. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's brilliant. brilliant. Very brilliant. Um, TG, why don't you hit us up with the the first of the terrain creation management talents? Okay, this is safe zone. Safe word. What? <laughs> <laughs> safe zone zone okay similar to word but it's zone tell, us, first, about, tell us about safe zone okay the first talent of five that are all about creating zones of beneficial terrain this talent is also the gatekeeper talent for the other four as a standard action you designate a 4 by 4 area which you must be in at least one square of this area remains for the rest of the encounter unless you move it. Any ally that starts their turn in the safe zone gains a plus two to fortitude and will until their next turn. And as a standard action, you can create a new safe zone elsewhere, dismissing your old one as long as it doesn't overlap with your old one. Not and bad. You, and you still need to be within that four by four area. Yeah. So that's like, so what you're saying is there's like, I mean, Plus you, that's 16 people that could benefit from this. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a lot. That's an awful lot. Well, it just gets better from there. So this is an interesting ability. Now, one of the things that was posed to me uh, when I've had discussions about this with, with other Saga gamers, saying, okay, how does this work? What, on the fly, I just say, huh, safe zone, huh, what, what? Does like, like a giant glowing bar appear on the ground and, huh, stand in here, you get a plus two to your fortitude and will. <laughs> this is, like, cinematically, how, how does this play out? Basically, this is a, a scout's ability on the fly to identify areas that are very secure 
and uh, you know, uh, sort of sort of using their their knowledge of terrain to say, you know, uh, quick stand here and identifying a, just an area that has you know decent cover, and you know, perhaps something as simple as you know, right there, the scout can see there's a a rebel insignia scrawled in graffiti on the wall, and that'll give you know hope to their allies, you know, or there's you know really good strong structural supports nearby for them to take cover from, and you know that will help them out a lot, you know, whatever you want to call it, but you know, I, I think the the ability to cinematically describe how this works, it can be a very fun thing for a GM or a player to suggest. But it just gets better. Once you have a safe zone developed, you can take additional talents, these next four, to really beef up what the safe zone can do. And this next one is called defensive measures. So now we're talking. All enemies treat your safe zone as difficult terrain, which means, obviously, it's difficult terrain. It's going to cost them double uh, movement to move through it, and they can't charge through difficult terrain. So, what a huge, great way to stop, uh, you know, melee monsters from charging in. So, I, I really like it. Furthermore, you can set it down almost like a, a bag of Star Wars caltrops and then run away, and it's difficult terrain. You know, if they want to follow you, they're going to be massively slowed by this four by four area. I think that's pretty cool. I don't think it's fair. For who? <laughs> well, because I have this feeling that the melee monster Wookiee is going to have to deal with this at some point in time. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think a GM that put this up in front of the, you know, uh, as an NPC Pathfinder, that would certainly be a butthole GM. That would be pretty crazy. Yeah, it would be crappy, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, but it just gets worse. Dave, why don't you tell us about the next the talent launch, after defensive measures? The launch point. So this is an ally who starts their turn in the safe zone and moves out of it gets a plus two bonus to all attack rolls before the end of their turn. All mm. attack rolls. All. So even if they make multiple attacks. Right. Oh. <laughs> well, and then there's another another talent that builds on that that's obscuring defenses so that any enemies that fire into your safe zone suffer a minus two penalty on attack rolls. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, this is insane. <laughs> this is starting to get crazy. And so you, you, you can see this is building up. So you identify this area of terrain that's, you know, okay, uh, it's good for you know, reflex defense and will and fortitude. And, and oh, and we can exit through this way. And you go this way, and you'll go faster this way. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's really cool. Um, and then uh, next, there's relocate. Now, this is odd, but this can be terribly useful. Basically, dismiss your safe zone as a swift action. And you can't create a new one until your next turn. But all allies that were in the safe zone, when you dismissed it, gain a plus two square bonus to their base speed until the start of your next turn. Ah, otherwise so, known as the run away. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's one of those, oh, God, they're Look approaching. Quick, run away. You dismiss the safe zone, and they can book it out of there, and then your next turn you can build a new safe zone. That's what happens when your holy hand grenade fails. Mm-hmm. Run true. away. Run away. Well, Dave, hit us up with the last talent in this tree, this which is, is my personal favorite. Zone of Recuperation. So this is any ally who catches a second win in your safe zone regains an additional number of hit points equal to your class level. <laughs> that is crazy. Dude. That is crazy. I want to make a Pathfinder so bad I can Which taste means it. we're gonna fight we're gonna fight <laughs> one in the next game. I just feel it. So so um, we're going to break camp, break win, break camp, right? Next. <laughs> well, well, we are. But before we do that, uh, because she's been so quiet and listening intently, as she's a surprise guest. Kat, what do you think about these abilities so far? Um, 
first, if I ever play paintball again, I want to play with a Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, second, why wouldn't you take this class? And third, what do these people do in Starship combat? Ah. Very good point. Well, you have discovered one of the weaknesses of the Pathfinder class. Um, it's a good question. And it's actually something I thought about when we were kind of going over this. They don't call out whether this stuff works in Starship scale or not. I really don't think it would. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think that's a particular area where a Pathfinder wouldn't find a whole lot of use. Um, I would recommend at that point that building up towards the character, if you knew you were going to have some space combat, you wouldn't throw all your eggs into one basket. You take advantage of some of the scouts' cooler uh, space combat things like the hyperspace explorer talent tree, other things of that nature. Hmm. So, yeah. Very good. But again, you answered your own question. Why wouldn't you take this class? Because you're freaking useless in Starship Combat. <laughs> there you go. So, all right, TG, you kind of brought it up. So, okay, let's, let's break camp. Great. What do we do with this plethora of information we've thrown at you? What cool abilities should you consider and concepts should you gravitate towards? The Cover uh, Master. Ooh, uh, tell, tell us about the Cover Master. This character concept takes advantage of the scout's ability with ranged comment, combat and effectiveness with cover. Ironically, though, this character moves little, but he finds or makes, as we just discussed, cover, stands behind it and blasts away while remaining untouchable. He's an untouchable. <laughs> That's a cool concept. How do we get there? You take feats like Trench Warrior, which gives you bonuses to attack from cover. Uh, also, since you're staying put, you can spend the time to aim, making you a pretty freaking good sniper. Feats like Dead Eye and Careful Shot will maximize on that. And as a scout, talents like Hunker Down, which boosts your cover, and Keen Shot, which helps with ranged attacks, will make very good use of this. Um, as a Pathfinder, uh, Create Cover is basically your crack. <laughs> Shoot it up the arm. Use it and love it. Or between the toes, in case you don't want people to... Honey, know. you smoke crack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Since you're such... So you, obviously, you're a part obviously of the drug, I the don't drug culture. Yes. <laughs> I'm so engaged in it that I really know it. Yeah. <laughs> so, make... You use... Create cover and you love it. You make it better with bunker blaster and enhanced cover. Uh, you laugh maniac. Mania, I cannot say that word. Maniacally. <laughs> Maniacally. <laughs> As your foes struggle to figure out why a 33 didn't hit you. <laughs> <laughs> because you got a plus 10 to your cover. Bonus. That's right. Reflex, yes. Very nice. It, it's a cool concept. I like the cover master, and there's a lot you can do with it. But what tickles me most about this prestige class, Dave, is really the second really build concept you can follow. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, that would be what I would call the battlefield controller. And so the scout, would you agree, that is the undisputed master of terrain? Undisputed. Agreed. Yeah. So you use that yeah. to your advantage, all right, in combat, and you guide your allies, you limit your foes, and so this is all about boosting allies and, gui and, and guiding the environment. So how do we so get there? To get there, uh, <clears throat> if you'll let me finish, sir, 
He's awful at that. I know. I, just... I'm, try, I'm trying to help segue. It's nothing. <gasps> Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> so you really want to maximize perception here. You want to take talents like guidance, watchful step, surveillance, acute senses. All let you make the most of what should be a really badass perception modifier as well as guiding your allies to weak spots in the enemy line and to ac across difficult terrain. So as a pathfinder, you've got five talents to take here. Every single one will be from the safe zone family, creating cover on the fly for your allies to use, scoping out defensible locations, prepping them for triage or easy escape. Your allies will soon learn to count on your terrain mastery. Mastery. That's right, buddy. It's fantastic. I kind of like both these concepts. They're they're pretty interesting, but one is definitely more um, support based. The other could be used for for really good personal combat or survival easily. Um, I also think it's worth noting that although traditionally the Pathfinders are this rebel organization, um, unlike the Jedi Knight or the Sith Apprentice or anything like that, you don't need to be a part of a rebel tradition to take part in this prestige class. You don't have to be part of the Rebel Alliance. It's just a prestige class, and it represents a certain set of skills that I quite imagine many advanced scouts across the Star Wars universe would share. So I don't think you should feel limited uh, by having to be a rebel in order to take part in this prestige class. The rules certainly don't require you to. So, so there you go. There you go. But all in all, that's the Pathfinder. So, Steve, Brian, I hope that that helps somewhat and gives you guys a little bit of fodder for your cannons as you prepare to blast away into the, uh, the Pathfinder Prestige class. Ah. Uh, Sad panda music. Yeah. Sad panda music. It happens, man. As we wind ah. down to the end of another show, a very good cover show. Yes. Even though Kat wasn't as vocal as we'd hoped she would be. Maybe my mouth was busy, Dave. Oh. 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 Yowzers. <laughs> That's why the camera's high. Yes. Well, maybe next time we won't surprise her with the guest host thing and get her show notes in time. Maybe. That could be it, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You can stick around for a few minutes. Maybe. <laughs> yes, Gamer oh. Nation. So for everyone who's been a part of this one, we appreciate you coming by. How can you contact us? Chris. You can, of course, email us. GMChris at D20Radio.com. GMDave at D20Radio.com. Tweet at goodness at D20Radio.com. And you can call us the same way Brev did. Call the Lusa line. 206-600-5872. Yep. L-U-S-A. Lusa. Uh, speak your voice and get heard. And, of course, you can go to the forums at D20Radio.com slash forum. Sign up, become a member of the Gamer Nation, and speak your mind. There, there are currently um, just under 1,000 people that are registered and active on our forums, um, which is a scant fraction of the several thousand that listen to this podcast on a weekly basis. And we want more of you to sign up on the forums. In fact, Dave, I think we've been talking about this for a little while, that we're going to do something a little special for the 1,000th. That's right. And we are very, very close. Uh -huh. We are very, very close. Now, you know what's so. going to happen, basically, is we're going to get, like, nobody to sign up. 
Oh, and if you guys think, oh man, I'm just gonna go create a whole bunch of extra accounts and just give me a thousandth person, it, our, our you know we, we have the ability to see your IP address. Fat chance. Good luck. <laughs> and we can see if you're using a proxy as well. Oh, thank oh, you. we see all. Uh, yes. Yeah, we know these things. We see all. We know all. Except, yeah, some stuff. Yes. Yes. All right. So, um, yeah, there you go. Boom. Very nice. Guys, thank you all again. Uh, those in Echo Base, all of you that are there watching, thank you for tuning in. Uh, for our special guest, Kat, for uh, Tweelet Goodest, GM Dave, saying thank you. I am GM Chris, wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. May they be full of the force. This is Jack Porkins. Red Six, and I got to tell you, I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because nothing, and I mean nothing, gets in between me and my fried chicken time. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Post show. So as we get ready to wrap up, I just have a couple of things that I need to uh, expound here. Expound. All right. So those of you that don't know, I spent the weekend in Austin, Texas for what they call the Premier League. Premier League is where they take the best of the best. The top four teams from North Texas, South Texas, Oklahoma, and they play against each other to see who goes to the regional tournament in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge. That's right. Cat, are we saying that right? Yes, red stick. Very good. Okay. My daughter's team, um, by virtue of being number two in the uh, state, is uh, is in this uh, tournament. So right now we uh, are in first place. And... Uh, by virtue of a win, even though we lost one this weekend, we, we won and we tied and we were in first place by a measly two points. Caw. Yes. So, we won our game today, but the team also from North Texas that was playing on the next field over, they are the number four team in the, uh, in the state. They played the team uh, from South Texas, and we are in South Texas, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um... Now, one of the unspoken rules of being a, a soccer referee, I don't know if I, I told anyone that I, I do indeed referee soccer. Uh, 
And one of the unspoken rules is that when you don't have your stripes on, you know, you, you hang back, you don't you don't make it known you're a referee, and you don't call out your fellow referees. You just don't do it. What did you do, Dave? Um, I almost got thrown out of a game. Because as, as it stands, I do not feel personally comfortable refereeing a Premier League game because... I have not. I, I refereed for about five years back when I was in college, but I have only refereed for a couple of years now here, you know? And right. so I, I'm i not going to do a. a I, I'll run a line, but I will not center a, a Premier League game. I've turned them down in the past. So, anyway, this guy on the, ne- on the field over from us, our game was wrapping up. The North Texas team was ahead one to nothing on the other, on the other field. And the guy on the other field calls a penalty kick for the South Texas team. And in my opinion, it wasn't a penalty kick because the girl actually ran into the other girl from behind. The offensive player had the ball, and the girl from South Texas ran up her back, basically. Well, he called a foul on the girl that ran up her back, which is not a foul. I mean, it's obstruction, maybe, on the other girl, but they called it on the girl with the ball. Okay, I find out that this guy has never, ever refereed a soccer game before. Ever. His first ever center referee assignment doing a Premier League game. Okay, referees go by order of grade, one through nine. I've been at it a while. I got upgraded from nine to eight. I'm a, I'm going to get upgraded to seven. State referees are six and five, and then you get to national referees that are four and three. And then when you see the guys doing the pro games that have the FIFA badges on their chest, those are one and two. Anyway, the guy had a grade five referee on the on the on the line. I don't know why they didn't assign this guy to run the center. Anyway, I blew my stack. I completely blew my stack. And so I'm on the other field yelling, what is this home cooking? And all of a sudden, that's that the state referee turns around, and he's like, you know, you're not involved in this game, whatever, whatever, whatever. And um, and I had heard him talking during their pregame because the guy was given a, I, you know, I always kind of listen to referees because I, I kind of want to see their style, especially when I right, see a state right. referee. I, You know, I can learn from state referees, so I learned from this guy. And um, so I bark immediately back at him, and I said, you should have your ass in the center because this guy's never refereed a center before. And this is a Premier League game. You guys are insane. And he said, that's it. I'm telling you, not another word. And, you know, obviously. He says that. He's he's about to run me. So I shut up at that point. But um, I was was fit to absolutely be tied that they put a brand-new referee in a position to try and referee a soccer game that he was obviously out of his league for. And, um, you know, it wound up that he called a penalty kick. They tied up the game, and this cost the North Texas team a chance at going to regionals. It really, it, it probably has. And, um, you know, if I were them, I would be, I would be very, very upset. I, I know some parents on that team because they're from North Texas, and one of the guys, one of my, I mean, one, the, one of the closest friends I have in the soccer community, the first time I've ever heard this guy cuss in my life. <laughs> 
And um, yeah, Fiddleback says I'll be hearing about it later. If they know, I'm, I, I doubt they know I'm a referee because I did not identify myself as such. And I, you know, I'm out of state, you know, theoretically. So I don't know they're a signer, and, and nor does he know me. So I don't care. I was wearing a Lake Highlands shirt. So heh, they'll know who I am, sort of. But um, anyway, I was, I was very, very, very upset that, uh, that it went down to it. My now, you know, our game. We won like four nil, so we we killed the the our opponents and and really really decimated yes. them. My daughter played very well. I was very happy with her performance and and uh, and whatnot. So, well, dude. yeah, you know, just one of those things. So, well, congrats for your daughter, but uh, sorry for the other team. Yeah, I know. I felt sorry for them too, but um, you know, it happens. So I just I felt the need that I had to vent until. You know, 2,700 people or so that uh, whoever the dude was on field number one, if you were the center referee on field number one at Williamson County today doing the U14 Premier League, you suck. <laughs> All right. There you are. Very nice. As they, as they, as, as someone will show up and rip the, my chest badge off of me tomorrow when I'm out <laughs> doing a couple of games tomorrow. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, what, when you were enjoying yourself in soccer land, you missed like the mother of all Halloween parties last night. Yes, I wanted to ask about that. I'm, dude, I'm so, I'm so tired. <laughs> mm. I'm so tired. I never podcast tired, but I'm going to Boston on uh, Tomorrow. Tuesday morning, and I knew I was gonna have, we were gonna have a chance to do this again. So um, you're flying Tuesday morning, dude. Yeah, yeah, BAI, man. Well, no, I know that, but I'm really surprised they didn't fly out Monday night. No, no, Tuesday morning. Okay. So, yes, yes, but um, yeah, yeah, it, dude, I'm I'm exhausted. Cat TG, good grief. <laughs> we done. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a it, good party. It, it was it was a very it was a very very good party and um, uh, I yeah. <laughs> Did you dress up as a woman? No, no. I dressed up as a mad scientist. Ah, that's and, not uh, too far sort, sort, of, sort of a no, no, no. That's sort of a Frankensteinian mad scientist. And Tweet, goodness, was my my greatest creation. Oh, nice. <laughs> and what were you, Cat? I was an anime girl. Shocker. I know. Wow. <laughs> no, you know what she was? She was a hottie. Oh well, no, she she's that by default. But I mean. Oh yeah. <sighs> Okay, can't so, turn it off. <laughs> an, an, anime hottie with purple hair. Oh. Yes, but okay. So, but the translation for Chris and uh, TG's outfits were: uh, mad scientist, really big hair like Vash Stampede. His greatest creation: um, low cut shirt. <laughs> my husband Ooh, picked yeah. out my outfit. I want you to know, I had no say so in it. He gets nope. a little black. String tank top. He ha- he gets my black corset, my black short skirt, black. Uh, what was it? Fish uh, fishnets, and then you and then black, my black knee high boots. boots. Yep. Yeah. And then drew stitches all over her body, all uh, Frankenstein's monster style. Yeah, I was cold. <laughs> yes, you were. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, no, it was good. You know, we had a bunch of people over. We had a great time. We played some games and uh, got totally drunk and then uh, built a fire, in, fire. In a fire pit out in the backyard and made s'mores and uh, wrapped up in quilts and uh, had a good Halloween. It was nice. most excellent. We had two trick-or-treaters. <laughs> two. Two trick-or-treaters all night. Did you have your light on? Yeah, well, dude, yeah. you should have seen the front of the house. It was awesome. It was Halloween party. It was, it was just totally oh, decked dude. out. Well, you know, I mean, it's Saturday night. That's weird. That's really weird. Well, we don't have anybody that comes down. We were there was only one other house that had their light on on our street. Oh, that sucks. See, when you get a whole street that doesn't do anything, they, they just don't even stop. Yeah. There was no decorations on dude, any I mean, of the you're, streets. You're or you live houses. on a freaking cul-de-sac. I mean, you need your. What's up with that? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe next year, because we've decorated two years in a row. So we're maybe next year our neighbors will start seeing a pattern and trying to get involved. Mm, yeah, maybe. Not hold my breath. Uh, but I don't care. It was a great party. We had a really good time, and uh, it was good to have all our friends. Yeah, here uh, for some good Hall- Halloweenist Hall- oh, Halloweeny hey. stuff. We, we just went over two hundred in the chat room. So hi, hi chat room two hundred. Huh. Mm-hmm. Hi, Adobe. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Hello, hello. Hi, Brev. Oh, oh Brev's in. Oh, that means that. Uh, that means Minnie's that, that mayhem means is that, done. Uh, Minnie's mayhem's done. That's oh, right. and Bre- Brev and his wife were there, obviously, and they brought their 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 infant son, who was dressed up as a hot dog. <laughs> he was cute. Nice. We had a guy dress up as a football player, and his baby was the football. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. If he gets out of can and spikes it, it would be very bad. That would be bad. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. See. So all right. Everybody's tired. Everybody. It's a long God, weekend tired. for everybody. You know. And I was in Minnesota for a week, and then immediately came down here and drove to Austin. After I collected our goalkeeper and my daughter, and we drove down to Austin. And our goalkeeper, Courtney, y'all know her. She's been on the show. Um, she stood on her head. She gave up one goal over the whole weekend. Nice. Of course, it was the one game that our offense disappeared, and we lost one nil on that game. But uh, had it not been for her, we would have lost like four, f- three or four to nothing. Ugh. Girl stood on her head back there. MVP. Very nice. Yep. So, yep. It was a great weekend. It was tiring, though. You know how it is traveling, yeah. driving, and all that. So, oh, anyway, boy. I've got daughter homework stuff to do here, and uh, so let me get uh, let me get cracking. It's already like ten forty-five here in Texas, Texas. <laughs> so, with, uh, with that, I guess we'll wrap it up. Unless you guys have anything else. No, no, no. Just thank the th- Gamer Nation. We're glad to be back. Sorry to be gone for two weeks, and uh, well, for a week longer than normal. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Heck yes. All right. Well, until next week, uh, guys and gals, we will see you later for episode number 86 of uh, Order 66 podcast.